0: Welcome to the Headache Doctor Podcast. I'm Dr. Taves, and today we are going to bust some myths and help you understand headaches and migraines, and it's my mission to empower everyone with headaches and migraines to break free from a life of fear and dependence and thrive in everything you do. Now, if that sounds like you, if you've been struggling with headaches and migraines, if you've been struggling to find a solution to this problem that is taking over your life, That leads to this debilitating pain that's interrupting your time with kids your time with with family maybe your work life uh, your social life it can affect so many aspects of life I want to help you today better understand uh, one aspect of this now what we're going to talk about today is why you don't have to have a neck injury for your headaches and migraines to be a neck problem The reason I want to talk about this is because there are many people that I will uh, see in the clinic, people that suffer with headaches and migraines, and it is not intuitive for them to think that their neck is the problem. And oftentimes it's not intuitive because they can't remember a car accident or a head or neck trauma. They have never fallen off a horse. They've never been skiing and, and had a traumatic injury to their neck. They can't remember anything like that. And so why would your neck... Be injured? Why would your body be responding with this type of loss of movement, this type of injury in the neck that causes debilitating pain when your life has been pretty much normal? You haven't had these extremes uh, when it comes to trauma or neck injury. The other reason I want to talk about this is because when you go to the medical doctor and you're sitting in your primary care doctor's office or the neurologist's office, what they will do are they will use two things to rule in or rule out the neck being a source of pain for your headaches and migraines, the first is they'll ask if you've had any sort of head or neck trauma, especially if that's recently. Oftentimes, if you say, yes, I've had a bad accident, but it was like 10 years ago, usually that won't qualify. So it's probably in the last uh, six weeks to a couple months from the onset of your symptoms, did you have some sort of head or neck trauma? If you have, then they'll they may think, okay, this might be a neck problem. Most cases, it's it's not going to be that close in proximity to when you're visiting with that doctor, or the onset of your of your symptoms, um, or you won't have something that you remember, and so that's question one. They will ask, do you have some sort of head or neck trauma that you remember or that has happened recently? Uh, the second question. or not the second question, but the second thing they'll do is they will evaluate your neck and just look at neck range of motion. And uh, if you don't necessarily feel like your neck is tight or if you can move your head left and right, look up and down side to side without any pain or reproduction of your headache, then they will use that to rule out the neck. But as we've talked about before, those are not sensitive enough to truly rule out the neck as the source of pain, which is one of the major issues When it comes to our healthcare system, because as I talked about before, that will just send you down this road of medication uh, when all of the time it very reasonably could have been a neck problem. All right. So just to recap, first, I want to make sure that you, the patient, understand that you don't have to have some trauma to your neck. And two, when you're interacting with your primary care doctor or the neurologist, understand that their evaluation process is going to likely rule out the neck as the problem um, because you don't necessarily remember a neck injury and because you can probably move your neck relatively well still because you're using all these other joints to get the job done. So why does that not matter? Why are those two questions, why are those two things the doctors use to rule in or out a neck as a source of pain an issue um, and then why you at home listening to me talk about headaches and migraines, why should you still consider your neck as a likely source of pain? So let's go through a few reasons here. The first is that in uh, in our in our modern day workplace and what even outside the workplace, most people are seeing themselves sitting uh, throughout the day. And so sedentary lifestyle is alone, can cause, the body to lose its mobility, and what happens is our body is constantly adapting to the the stresses and the forces and uh, the things that that we ask it to do. So if you're a sprinter and you are training to be the fastest 100-yard dash sprinter in the world, you're training for the Olympics, you will do things that cause your body to increase the amount of fast twitch fibers you have. You will do things to increase uh, your lung capacity potentially. And you'll you'll wanna be as quick as possible. And the reason that a sprinter can get faster is because our body is adapting to those stresses that are, that are placed through it. And those stresses um, in this scenario are just practice. You're practicing and you're getting repetitions in and you're doing those movements over and over again so your body gets better at those. Uh, at those specific movements. Now not only do the muscles respond to that and get stronger and develop those fast twitch fibers which allow that athlete to to sprint off the line and explode off the line but also the skeletal s- system will respond to that. Our bones and, and um, it's called Wolf's Law. So it's actually, there are different types of cells that are eating away at at, uh, at the bone tissue and then creating different bone tissues so that it's constantly adapting to different stresses that we place through it. And the same is true with the tendons and the ligaments that sort of support the musculoskeletal system and uh, keep us upright. And so what's happening is If you are training to be a sprinter or if you're training to sit on the couch, your body is adapting to that new normal. So oftentimes patients will think, well, I don't really do anything stressful or strenuous throughout my day. So why would my body be responding like this? Why would I have pain? Well, to be honest if you are moving and you're allowing your body and your joints and those muscles and those ligaments and the tendons and the bones to go through those movements that they're intended to do throughout the day then you are likely to be in a healthier state your musculoskeletal system will be healthier it's actually one of the the biggest problems or the biggest problem that we have whether it comes to low back pain knee pain shoulder pain uh, you name it i'm gonna throw headaches into this category Um, It's the sedentary lifestyle that most of us live. It's the sitting for most of the day that is the problem. It's not not the activities that we do, but it's more so the sitting that is the primary issue. Now, there are activities that we do that can be problematic, and I'll talk about those in just a little bit. But for the most part, I want you, the patient at home, to think about your sitting for prolonged periods of, of time as being a bad thing. That's not what your body needs. That's not what your neck needs. The upper part of the neck is going to respond to that prolonged sitting and that loss of movement by adapting to um, its new range of motion. So if you tell your neck, I don't really need to move in and out of these different positions, then the ligaments... And that joint will actually respond to that and adaptively shorten. Now, if you do that for months or years, what will happen is it'll adaptively shorten to the point where it's, that's almost its new normal. So you didn't necessarily even have to have this traumatic injury that caused uh, this shearing force or stress through the upper part of the neck. You could have gotten to this place just by showing your neck that it doesn't need to move through its full range of motion. So I would say that's other than a a traumatic injury, that's the number one thing I would encourage you, the listener, to understand that sitting can easily cause this because we're sitting for prolonged periods of time every day. And if we compound that years out, our neck is basically being taught to not move. So what can you do about that? Move, um, get up. Walk around, have better posture throughout the day, uh, but more so just just keep your neck moving through its normal range of motion. That's the same goes with the upper back, the low back, the shoulders, the hips. The more we move, the better we will feel. Um, It's also kind of a vicious cycle. If you get into this routine of not moving, you get painful, things get painful, and then you don't want to move, and it's just hard to get out of. So if you can move, then do it because your body will thank you for it the second thing I want you to consider is that maybe there wasn't a major traumatic incident, but maybe there were multiple minor events that led to this sort of neck injury. So what I'm talking about is oftentimes as little kids, kids will uh, fall down, you know, a couple steps. Maybe they'll be riding their bike and they'll fall or their scooter or their fall. Maybe they're jumping on the trampoline and they just kind of land on their neck funny. There's probably several dozen or uh, you know hundreds of ways that kids can injure their neck when they're little and usually kids are so active that it's it's guaranteed that something is going to happen now as kids they kind of shrug it off and they keep going and and as parents we don't really think to acknowledge that is like oh maybe maybe there was an injury to the neck maybe I should have that evaluated because kids are so resilient now that that's not wrong, kids are resilient and and their neck likely will bounce back from that, but those types of things over and over and over again. So let's say there's five or six of those events uh, over the course of a couple of years in their childhood, that can lead to their neck having this sort of restriction, irritation, and they may not feel the symptoms of that, the pain, uh, the sensitivity of that right away, but maybe it's the the loss of movement is there and then the tension builds as they, as they grow, uh, as the years go on, so then it, it'll onset maybe in high school or something like that. So think of multiple events over a longer period of time rather than one traumatic bad car accident or something like that. So that's another situation where the neck can have this sort of injury without that big event. The third thing is different um, daily habits that we have. So we've talked about, we talked about the, the prolonged sitting and the sedentary positions. But as you're sitting or standing, uh, as you're driving in your car, the position you sleep in, all these static positions matter. And so if you're standing and you're you're shifting your weight onto one hip or the other, you're actually you're telling your your hips and your spine that they need to have this sort of curvature to them so that when it gets all the way up to your head and neck, what your visual input is, your your brain wants that to be on this horizontal plane. And so your body's always going to have your head kind of in a center position, even if the rest of your spine or your shoulders are sort of having to shift one way or the other. Um, So from the foundation, from when you're standing, you want your feet to be, you want your weight to be evenly distributed through both feet, have both feet firmly planted on the floor. And you also want that position to be more active. Meaning if you're just resting with your knee locked out or or you're resting with your hip, uh, on your ligaments, on your hip to one side or the other, um, try to be more active with it. Bend, unlock your knees, feel your muscles hold yourself upright so then it's more of an active stance rather than just resting on your ligaments one side or the other. Now, it's not inherently bad to just rest in those positions. But the problem is, is that we have these habits unknowingly that we do over and over and over again. So I can almost guarantee you that when you stand, you always stand to one side or the other. It's not like we're switching up the positions and sometimes we're actively standing. Sometimes we're resting on the left knee. Sometimes we're resting on the right hip. It's usually that we just go to this one certain posture. And so that one specific posture is going to play in To what the back feels and the the shoulders and then the neck. With sitting, try to sit with your hips with the weight through your hips evenly distributed so you're not having to put pressure or force through one side of the body or the other. Again, that sort of the hip position is going to place certain stresses throughout the spine, uh, which will travel up to like the shoulders and then your neck is going to have to accommodate to that. One of the biggest things I see is that patients have a difficult time side bending their head. Now if you're standing or sitting and your hips are shifted, that that shift is going to travel up through the spine and demand that your head be side bent one way or the other. Now just that few degrees of side bending could be irritating enough to trigger a headache, especially if you're sitting watching a movie or something for an hour and a half, two hours, and that tension just builds, builds, builds. And then once you're going to bed in the evening, you're like, wow, now I have a raging headache and I don't really know why. Well, it was likely due to that sitting posture that you're in and your neck didn't like it uh, because it already can't move and then you're asking it to move. The other thing is sleeping position. So I've talked about this before. This is crucial. If you are a stomach sleeper, you really need to find a different position, so side sleeping or back sleeping. If you're a side sleeper, you need to know that you're probably still rolling under your stomach, and so you need to support yourself prop yourself up with a couple of pillows so that you're not wanting to roll under your stomach. And then the position or the type of pillow you have is important. If you want to know more on that, I do have a podcast that talks about uh, sleeping position and pillows and how you work through that process. I also have a link to the pillows that I recommend on my website. Uh, feel free to check that out at NoveraHeadacheCentered.com. All right. And then lastly, these repeated activities. So, There's different occupations that can be hazardous for developing headaches and migraines. Uh, A couple that I can think of just in the healthcare setting are like surgeons or dentists where you're constantly leaning forward and you're using your shoulders, your arms are probably up and your, your head might be tilted back or looking down. It's just... When your head is forward, it's like holding a bowling ball out in front of you. It's like this 12-pound weight, and so it places a lot more stress on your neck, uh, even through your upper back and your shoulders. And so having that sort of work requirement where you're bending over someone or something, like a dental hygienist uh, leaning over your patient all day, those are definitely positions that uh, the body will over time respond negatively to and potentially lead to this type of injury. Uh, Another one, like if you're working in landscaping or construction, if if you're working with your hands, more manual labor type work, if your body is not functioning well, the added stress through your shoulders and into your neck can definitely lead to headaches and migraines. And so that added demand on the body, now again, if you're in construction and that type of work, you're probably moving more, which is good. But when we repeat an activity over and over and over again, uh, oftentimes the body will wear down or um, not be able to meet the demand of that specific task. So for example, if you work in a factory and you're creating some widgets, and you're like, just for lack of a better example, you're on an assembly line and you're like doing this one movement over and over and over again. Well, it's good that you're moving, but it's it's one specific movement. And so if you don't open up your body or, or use the opposite motion, that the joint will just learn that one pattern. The muscles will develop in that one specific way, which will kind of pull your body in that form of alignment or your posture will reshape to that specific movement, which will be detrimental for the health of your musculoskeletal system and and can play into your neck. So the idea, the principle to follow here is movement is good. All types of movement need to be performed to have our joints and our musculoskeletal system be able to exercise how it was designed. So our shoulders have a lot of movement to them. We need to move our shoulders through these full range of motion. Our neck has a lot of mobility. We need to be able to move our neck through this full range of motion. When that motion is gone, that's when the the irritation occurs and the pain onsets. And that's just, in a nutshell, what is happening when we get headaches and migraines. Um, it's just that the neck is sending the pain signal into the head. So just to recap here, we talked about why you should still consider your neck as the likely problem, even if you don't have this traumatic injury that you remember and don't Take the uh, MD's word for it when they say your neck is probably not the problem just because their evaluation process isn't as sensitive or specific as it should be. And then the four things we talked about are sedentary lifestyle. So remember to move multiple events that may have contributed to this type of injury, Uh, different daily habits that you may not be aware of, like the sitting, standing, sleeping and then the repeated activities that may be attached to your occupation, um, or maybe they're just daily habits that you're repeating. And so be aware of if your occupation has any of those types of things. And to counteract that, having an exercise routine and just remembering to move in and out of those positions, going on walks, those types of things can be very beneficial for you as you try to navigate this at home. Now, if you are someone who has tried these things and you're still finding that these migraines are taking over your life, again, feel free to reach out. We can do virtual or in-person appointments. I am in Colorado and I would love to see you in person, um, but I will do my best to help you navigate this stuff virtually. And also uh, visit my website as we've got some helpful resources and then follow me on social media, either at Novera Headache Center or The Headache Doctor. Thank you for listening to the Headache Doctor podcast. It's my mission to empower everyone with headaches and migrants to break free from a life of fear and dependence and thrive in everything you do.